doesn't matter how you're feeling. You have to do your fucking job. We, it's not that you have to be good at PT. You have to try hard at PT. Hear the devil calling. Hear the devil calling. Well, I hear the devil calling. Gotta pay him what he's due. I can't stop the dogs of war. I can't stop the dogs of war. World's greatest leaders, welcome. This is your host, JP, and I want to start by saying I'm sorry for having a long time without dropping an episode. I really apologize for making you guys wait. I've been having a lot of good feedback. I have a lot of people asking me, when's the next episode going to drop? When is this coming out? I mean, just to explain myself, I was away for an army school, a, a leadership course, and fortunately, I graduate in three days. And I can go back to, to just going heavy on just making making you guys some, some more content. I'm working on an episode with a good friend of mine that he has his own podcast. I'm not going to share it right now. You guys will, will find out in the future. But I'm trying to make an episode where you guys get to know a little bit of more about me. And we're going to move away from the leadership style, talking to senior leaders, talking to junior leaders in the military, in the Army, in, gen- in the Army. Most mostly, and we're just gonna talk about my our perspective, right? Um, it, it's gonna be awesome. You guys are gonna get to a little bit know more about me, about your host. Um, and we're we're just gonna take a break from from just interviewing people, and we're just gonna come out here and and, and talk to you guys about about stuff and and drop a lot of knowledge, as far as my knowledge goes. I'm I'm pr- fairly new to this, to this all this stuff and and I'm figuring out as I go. But we're just gonna talk. We're gonna have a good time. No interviews for 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 that episode. But we're kicking it off with a great episode. This I'm telling you guys, this this guy is phenomenal. He is uh, he is very smart, very extremely fit, and you guys will understand why I believe this guy is such a good leader. But not just that, such a great person. Um, he's very intellect when it comes to his job. And you can just tell when he's in the room. Uh, a leader is, is someone that just sends off the presence right when they walk in the room. And this guy definitely shows that. I'm not going to delay this anymore. I've been talking a lot. But just stay tuned. It's going to be a great episode. I'm sorry for the delay. And let's have some fun. Hope you guys have a great day. All right, Cody, how are you doing today? Doing good. Got up this morning with uh, both my kids. All right. Had breakfast and uh, made my way over here. I'm surprised you didn't go for a run. I was trying to find the uh, motivation this morning, and it just didn't happen. All right, all right. Um, before we start anything, there is something that I, I really want to talk to you about. About you and Max and y'all's obsession with short shorts. Why why is that so big between you two? The shorter the shorts, the faster you run and the deeper your squat. 
Okay, I'm, I don't think that makes a lot of sense. No, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's science. Um, it all started uh, actually back when I was his section sergeant, and we went on for a run, and he, he wore the shortest shorts you've ever seen. And I was like, well, I have to beat that. Um, so I got shorter shorts, and then it was like the next time he showed up in shorter shorts, and it's just been a thing now ever since. I think I, I the only time I've seen him in pants was, was – um the time that he's at work in uniform other than that he's always wearing some short ass shorts if you go to his house on any random day he will be wearing tiny short shorts and some sort of athletic sweater <laughs> yeah uh, i'll probably beat his ass if i was stefan or something <laughs> all right before before we get into the interview <laughs> fucking short shorts before we get into the interview there's we gotta <clears throat> we gotta get warmed up and I'm going to I'm going to throw you some with some hit questions, some situation questions and it's called the mad minute, right? And none of them we were able to finish uh do a 1 minute. Okay. Max was the longest. I think it was like a 23 long mad minute. I talk so much. But I'm just going to hit you with some questions and I'm going to see what um what do you got? See if, see if you if you're ready enough for for the interview, all right? Um are you ready? Ready. All right. What's your favorite alcoholic beverage? Beer. What kind of beer? Uh, right now, Zeugel's. Is that German beer? Yes. Oh, my God. It's, uh, so it's it's made here in the Oberfaltz. It's like the beer of the Oberfaltz. Oh. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of, of German beer. I just I just like my, my Corona and lime. Yeah. Right. Uh, what's your biggest pet, pre- pet peeve? Oh, man, that one's a hard one. Laziness, probably. Are you more of a superhero guy or a villain guy? Uh, probably superhero, I guess. <laughs> That's <laughs> a hard question. <laughs> so who's your who's your favorite superhero? Aquaman. Really? Yeah. Why? Because he protects the oceans. Wow, yeah. <laughs> that is so. That is probably the, the corniest and cheesiest <laughs> answer I've had here so far. So I was never into superheroes, right? And now my son love superheroes so you have to be into whatever your son's into yeah you're absolutely right and so he's into all kinds of different ones and i don't i never grew up with them so i don't know anything about all the superheroes (laughs) i was never a comic book guy or anything like that so he's kind of forcing me to get into them if you can go into a bar with anyone in the world past or present have a drink and ask that person what question who would that person be what question would you ask and what would you be drinking It would be, I'd have to say Jimi Hendrix. And I would ask him how he wrote Little Wing. Okay. And we'd be drinking, uh, I mean, probably beer. Are you a fan of Jimi or something? Yeah, big fan of Jimi Hendrix. And when he wrote Little Wing, great song, uh, but apparently it was a filler song. Oh. on his album and he like wrote it because they just needed another song and it was like one of the <laughs> the best songs like he wrote the lyrics and the guitar and everything and apparently like five or ten minutes oh yeah. yeah that's talent right there yeah what was the last thing you did in public and you were glad that nobody saw um well they they did see though the last so the last embarrassing thing i did uh we were over at um pratt's house for a 
birthday party. No, thanks for the invitation. Well, I can't invite you if I'm invited. <laughs> that's that's rude. Uh, so the kids all like took paint and they drew on shirts and we put them over the banister to uh, dry. And of course, I leaned on them, and then I have you know different <laughs> colored paint all over my butt now. And uh, I couldn't get it all, so I had to turn around and ask my wife to wipe my butt off. Uh, oh. So everybody's watching my wife wipe my butt in like the middle of a room. I mean, it's not embarrassing. It's it was funny, sl- though. It was slightly it's embarrassing. It's funny. <laughs> what was the last movie that you watched? Um, <laughs> Robin Hood. <laughs> Robin Hood? Yeah, with I, my kids. Uh, I, I was assuming that. <laughs> what was your first car ever? It was a 99 Dodge Neon Purple. Why did it have to be purple? Well, it didn't have to be purple. It was broke down in my sister's yard. Oh. And my sister, I needed a car. And she was like, well, if you can fix that, you can have it. Um, so it was the starter and a water pump. Yeah. So I changed both of those. And then I had a car for pretty much free. Hmm. What's your favorite football team? Uh, I don't really watch sports, but what a weirdo! I know, right? You wear short shorts and you don't watch sports. I know, yeah. All right. Um, if, I mean, if you were to watch a sport, what would you watch? Probably CrossFit. <laughs> oh Does that count? <laughs> okay. If you were a chief of staff, what regulation would you add or change? Probably going to be something related to PT and CrossFit. Uh, well, I, I think that PT is actually headed in the right direction. It's the buy-in you have to get with the program. Mm-hmm. They, they've put all the policies and, and everything in place that needs to be in place. And now they just need that lower level leadership to actually do what they're supposed to do and not continue to run every single day. Um, he says the platoon sergeant that takes his, his platoon on a run every day. If you ask anybody in my platoon, we do not run every day. You just told me you run every day we before we started this. We do some sort of running every day, but we do a lot of weightlifting, okay. uh, a lot of circuit training. Hey, PT is good, though. PT is good. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I don't really think that if you're running five miles plus every day, it's, it's bad. But I think if, if you're keeping a little bit below um, five miles, you, it's definitely not bad for you. No. I think you can run every day and you're fine. Um, but running is one of the biggest causes of injury. Yeah. So there has to be some sort of compromise between running and – I mean, if, you're, if your entire platoon is running their five miles in 40 minutes, then do you really need to keep focusing on five miles? Maybe it's time to focus on strength now. Yeah. Um, but if I was to change anything, I would um, figure out a way to uh, empower NCOs more and hold them more accountable. Can you, can you go into a little bit more depth with that? Um, and maybe an example. Yeah. So uh, a lot of times we have a lot of things that are ran by officers. Yeah, you're right. And why is it ran by officers? Because some NCOs not stepping up. Um, and if those NCOs with a lot of knowledge would just step up and actually do their job instead of letting officers run everything, the Army would be much more simple. Yeah, you're right. I mean, but not saying that we don't need officers because we yeah. do, but um, we need them to do their job and we need us to do our job. Absolutely. If you were in an airport and an airline gave you a ticket to go anywhere in the world for free, um, you can't go home and repack your bags. You just got to get on a plane and go. Um, where would you go and why? I would go to 
one of the uh, islands in the Pacific uh, along the Great Barrier Reef, like somewhere near like Papua New Guinea or something, okay. to go diving and surfing. Uh, I mean, I never surf, but I always, I always want to learn how to surf. It's, I feel, I feel like it's way too hard. <laughs> um, what is the hardest uh, school you went through in the army? Oh, that's that's a hard one. Because uh, they're they're all hard in their own aspects. Yeah, but there has to be that one that you were like, "Damn, I'm not going to pass this," and then boom, you graduate. Uh, I think that. When I went through ARC, uh, that was that was one of the hardest ones at the time. And the hardest part about ARC is you never know how you're doing in the class. They don't give you no feedback throughout the entire class? N- not really. Yeah. Like, you never know whether or not you're good or not. Um, and when I went through, the instructors were just handing out green cards like candy, uh, which green cards, you get three green cards, you fail the course. <laughs> um, and I didn't get a green card, but I was always worried – Cause in that course, it's like, everything's a test, but nothing's a test. Right. Yeah. So like you go on a run and you come back and there's a test over the run and you'll be like, what are you talking? What do you mean? There's a test. I thought we were just doing PT. <laughs> uh, and then you're like, well, I'm pretty sure I just failed that test, but then you never get the results from the test. Not even after you graduate, not even after you graduate. It's kind of like, and kind of like SFAS. Then they had like all of our names on a board, right? And they put symbols next to our names. That you guys don't know what it is. That we didn't know what they was. It's probably just trying to psych you out. Or so, and then the symbols would change every day. What we're sitting here in ARC, like, oh, well, everything's a test. So this is some kind of test or maybe it's rating or whatever. I tried to figure this out the entire class. Turns out it was nothing. Just a, <laughs> another thing to mess with us. Yeah, just, just trying to mess with you guys. Uh, but uh, when I went to that course, it was coming back from you know, like deployments and, and, uh, you know, global war on terror kind of fighting. So I didn't know a lot about, um, you know, reconnaissance and security doctrine. So learning all that stuff was really difficult at first. Yeah. I mean, it's, we, we train, 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 uh, like the force on force and actually doing like the, what, what the, what a cavalry unit is supposed to be doing. But then you go to the middle East and you're just doing corn operations and you're like, well, what do you mean I'm not going to sit in OP in the woods for 24 hours? But you do sit on uh, OPs inside of hills for a long time, yeah. up in the mountains. I mean, there's still a fair amount that applies. I think it's just the force size yeah. that changes. If if all job, jobs pay the same, what would you be working with? I think I would still do this. Really? Yeah. You wouldn't try to do like SF or be a Navy SEAL or, I mean, if you want to be, if you want to be a, be a badass, you just might, might as well be the top of the badasses. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I, I think that those are all really cool. Um, I, I really like being a scout, honestly. Wow. Uh, I, I like being mounted. I like having a truck. I hate trucks. Uh, I hate being stuck to, I will, I'll, I'll love a truck if I was a, dis, if I'm a, dis, now that I'm a dismount, I like it. But you get that you get that go between of being mounted and dismounted, and uh, and I, I like training soldiers. Yeah, you did tell me that you like teaching. I just I just hate being attached to a truck. Like if you're a gunner, you like can't really do nothing. Yeah, being a gunner kind of sucks. Yeah, that's uh, probably my least favorite job of. Yeah, being just, a gunner I sucks. 
I just want to be on the ground. Like if you, if you, <laughs> I just want to be on the ground doing some straight unconventional shit instead of just being attached to a truck. Yeah, <coughs> but I mean, I guess any any way you look at it, you're attached to something. Yeah, you're right. You know, maybe you're attached to your team more than, or you're attached to your patrol base or whatever it is. Uh, you're attached to something. Yeah. Uh, what is one skill that you would like to have that you currently don't? <laughs> so, uh, the one of the things I always wanted to get into was uh, woodworking. Like carpentry and shit? Yeah, just like being able to build stuff better. Yeah. Um, and I always, uh, like, I'll watch the, like, little clips on stuff on Facebook that'll come yeah. by where it's, like, some dude, like, whittling a table leg or something. Yeah. Or, or whatever. And I always think that looks cool. Probably going to get into that when I'm an old man. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's probably very time-consuming. Yeah. Um, have you ever felt invincible? No. What? No. There's never that one thing you're like, damn, I feel... I'm never gonna die now, but then like five minutes later, you creep back to reality. And you're like, yeah, I'm not invincible. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. Um, who would be a movie character that you would play in real life? A movie character that that I would play in real life. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that's a hard one. Like that would play me if 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 uh, my movie was like if me like I was a sitcom or something. No, like you're watching a movie. You're like, damn, I want, I want, I wish I was doing that right now. Oh, okay. Uh, like Magic Mike or something. Man, I wasn't ready for that question. Hold on, let me think. Because I'm immediately going towards like war movies because of what we're talking about right now. But I don't think that would be it. Yeah, I, w- I would not want to play in a war movie because both of them die. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. Want to do that? Uh, man, Aquaman. Going with Aquaman. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, your son would be your biggest fan, so yeah, I guess. Um, well, no, he doesn't like Aquaman. So he would be a hater. Yeah, I guess. Um. If you were president and you had the power to pass one thing in Congress with the guarantee approval, guaranteed approval, what would you pass? Oh man, it's starting to get harder and harder from here. Yeah. Uh, something where you give uh, more rights back to states. States' rights, I think, are really important, mm. and and letting those states make the decisions that best govern their states instead of having everything made by the big government. Something along those lines, like give more power back to the states. I mean, you you rather do that instead of just having everybody on the same page, like everybody with the same gun laws, everybody with the same. Well, I think it's hard to say, like, well, this one law benefits every single state. Like, if California doesn't want to have guns, then, like, okay, California well, doesn't have guns. For that, but, but, you know, if Georgia wants to have all the guns, then let Georgia have all the guns. Yeah, you're right. You know, like, like you're right. Um, then just don't live in that state if you don't like the laws. If you could go back to back in time and do something different, what would you do? Hmm. I don't think that I would change anything. Really? No, I, th- I think, like, all the failures and stuff along the way has made me, like, think the way that I do now. All right. 
Speaking of failure, what is your greatest failure in life? Greatest failure in life? Uh, probably my senior year in high school. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Good old days. Good old days. Uh, you know, typical little punk rock kid who was too cool for school. Uh, and, uh, end up having to go to, uh, summer school to graduate because I just stopped going <laughs> to school altogether. Uh, my mom would beat my ass if I <laughs> said I wasn't going to go to school. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't have a lot of oversight over what I was doing. So it's just kind of like Cody, make all the decisions on your own. And I made poor decisions. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I would go back and try a little harder. I mean, uh, I know that you're really into CrossFit and, and wads and all that stuff. If you could do a wad with whatever equipment you need uh-huh. anywhere in the world, where would you do that wad? Wherever uh, Matt Frazier is doing his wad, and I would just do it next to him. Because <laughs> uh, I would like to work out with that dude. Right. I don't think there's anybody who works out as hard as he does. And when you have somebody working out that hard, it makes you push yourself harder. Yeah, you're right. Who could win a fight to death? A private nap or sergeant first class nap? Oh, sergeant first class nap, easily. <laughs> yeah, private is, nap. Is was, there any, anybody between private nap to sergeant first class nap that would be sergeant first class nap? Uh, probably staff sergeant nap. <laughs> Why is that? He was a lot meaner. <laughs> oh, he was that mean. <laughs> All right, we're going to the last one. Um, what's the best piece of advice that you can give someone? If you work hard, it'll pay off. I guess, I mean, yeah. Just whatever you're doing, just work hard at it. That's, yeah, that's all you got to do. And that concludes our Mad Minute. That took 19 minutes. You are currently in the second place of the longest Mad Minute. Uh, only to max. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, man. I should have elaborated more on some. <laughs> Now I'm second place to him. Yeah, just like which the is my full-on rivalry for everything, ever. Just like the whole um, short shorts yeah. situation. We're in competition about everything at all times, wherever we go. I remember, I remember a time that this is before you even got here. I remember I was I was talking to him and well, I was really talking. To him. He was talking to someone and and um, he mentioned your name and I'm like, yeah. That name sounds familiar. And I was like, is he with Joe Sarn? And he's like, yep. Is he a redhead? Yep. I was like, damn. So the first memory that I've, I mean, the first and only memory I had with you before you got to the unit was, was when uh, there was this whole situation in, in, in Osa, in Fort Benning, where we had a, someone took your troop's guide on and from him from Anvil Troop took our guide on or whatever and couple hours later, I, I see big old round hat come in and just start destroying us. And I'm like, <laughs> who is this asshole? That was like the first time I ever got smoked in the prone row in a foreign lunge. Like, I never, I never got, like, fucked up on that. <laughs> but I remember you talking about, you got to get your back strong, the prone row. And I'm like, oh, my God, dude, when is this going to stop? <laughs> and he, you started dumping lockers. And then all I hear is, I'm not going to say her name, but hey, Joe Soren, do you let your guys have orange peels in, in, in your lockers? And check this. <laughs> he wasn't even my Joe Soren. He just came over to just fuck us up just for fun. 
this dude, the, the dude that had found the orange peels ended up having to run to DFAC and grab two oranges. And the man had to eat them in the front of the rest without peeling. The dude had... I didn't make him do that. Well, you caused it, so I blame you. <laughs> um, the dude had a... He, he ate an orange in a pe- like with a peel, just like an apple. And he, I think he had oranges for, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for like almost a week. We we had a big rivalry between uh, Alpha and Charlie Troop, and uh, like most of the the senior drills at the time, we all went to drill sergeant school together. Okay. So we were all like really good buddies, mm-hmm. uh, and that's why like Alpha was always messing with with Charlie, and Charlie was always messing with Alpha. I didn't have a lot of have a lot of airborne drill sergeants. I think the only one was was uh, drill sergeant Meacham. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what he's doing right now, but he was I probably the coolest of them all. Did you have um? You work with the uh, drill sergeant Clark, right? Yeah. How how was he? He was cool. He was a, he was a really good uh, really good drill. He he was he was mean. Yeah, he was. He uh, was, but he didn't. He was one of those guys that didn't have to try to be mean. Yeah, he just he just like, like the way he talked. You were like, I'm kind of scared of that guy. Yeah. He had that real deep voice. Yeah, I'm, I remember the time we were we we're marching in the defect and. I don't know what happened, but he he while we were marching, he's like in this guy's face, and we're passing right in front of, in front of an Alpha Troop, and he's in this guy's face. And the minute we stop calling Cadence, all I hear is "You little bitch," and I'm like, "Oh <laughs> shit!" <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was good, but that was a good time. That was passing. Do you do you remember the whole orange peel situation or? I yeah, I I vaguely remember. I don't remember finding orange peels. I do remember going over to uh, to Charlie that day, and. Uh, you know, just having a talk with you guys about uh, taking guidons and shit. Taking guidons, like just hey, just don't do that again. You know. Yeah, that's definitely not what happened. <laughs> don't talk like that. We we had we had a dude try to take one of one of ambushes got on right like here in, in in Germany. Yeah, that was like a brand new dude too, right? Yeah, and then the worst thing is that I sponsored that 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 dickhead. So direct reflection of your leadership. Uh, well, it's not, well, I just sponsored him. It's not my fault, but. Apparently his PL was like, "Yo, go take that guy on," and his dumbass went and took the guy on. Man, well, the worst thing is he's that getting in trouble too, right? I don't know. He's a he's a weirdo. Yeah, but um, and the worst thing is that someone in our troop that I'm not going to mention their name went over to Alpha Troop and, <laughs> and snitched on the dude to <laughs> to first on Cameron. Yeah, and I'm like, damn, no loyalty. I see how it is. Um, but all right, enough enough bullshit. We're gonna get into the interview. Uh, I know you guys are, are are ready to to listen to this this um, this guy talking. I'm, I'm excited. I'm very excited because he he's a pretty cool guy. And he has I'm pretty sure he has a lot of fun stories to tell about. Um, before we get started, can you just like briefly talk about talk about yourself? Um, what have you done in the military? Um, your achievements, any awards that you got or stuff like that. Uh, so. Came in the army as a uh, scout, just like most of us. Um, deployed uh, to Afghanistan pretty pretty uh, quick after I got to my unit. Um, it was a that was a interesting time because it was one of those like I don't even know what I'm doing, and then uh, I'm just here. <laughs> yeah, and uh, well, what unit was that? So that was uh, four seven three Cav in the eighty second Airborne. Hmm. Uh, you stayed in the 82nd for a long time. I was in the 82nd for a long time. 
So uh, four seven three Cav disbanded and became two five zero one Infantry mm-hmm. when they disbanded the fourth brigades. Um, so deployed uh, pretty quickly after I got there, and uh, we. Uh, so I volunteered for Advon, right? Uh, which is like where you go before everybody yeah. else. Um, so I had like offset leave, right? And uh, I, I didn't know what it was. I was just told you that. Say, yeah, I'm going to do it. I just, I just heard you should volunteer for stuff <laughs> and it'll make you not a shithead. So I was okay. like, okay. Because, you know, private nap, I, I messed up everything. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite stories from uh, young Sergeant Knapp. And this is where I learned that you don't talk to first sergeants. Uh, really? I mean, I, I, I think it changed now because I mean, I, yeah, well, it definitely changed. It changed, but you, you know, you still don't just go up and ask your first sergeant questions unless yeah. you're first sergeant, first sergeant Pumphrey. Yeah. Uh, or first sergeant Woodard. Yeah. So uh, there I was, young private, and someone hands me a stack of fifty nine eighty eights, and this is this is easily my first week in the unit, right? Brand new. Uh, don't know nothing. And he hands me the stack of 5988s and says, go PMCS the vehicles. And I was like, what the fuck is a PMCS? I just say, Roger that, you know? (laughs) So I was, I walk out the front door troop and I quickly realize I don't know what PMCS means. I don't know what (laughs) 5988s mean. And I don't know where the trucks are. (laughs) So I'm just standing here staring at these papers, all confused, but I don't want to go ask the platoon sergeant because he seemed mean. And I don't want to ask Sergeant Lydon. I don't know if you guys remember Sergeant Lydon or not, but oh, I was he like, was, he was he was your platoon sergeant. He was my he was my uh, senior we, scout. We we talking about uh, yeah Rick Lydon, the the redhead. Yeah, damn. Yeah. I mean he, I mean if you hey Sergeant Lydon, if you listen to this, you, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I saw you the other day and I was like, damn, this dude does not look like he's in the army no more. <laughs> <laughs> you had a whole beard, glasses. Yeah, you had a little gut. I'm like, damn, this that guy. Uh. That's so crazy. What a small world. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm just standing there staring at these papers all confused. And uh, my first sergeant walks by and was like, hey, uh, you know, young warrior, what can I, what, what do you need help with? And I was like, ah, you know, first sergeant, I don't know. I was just giving this stack of paperwork and like told the PMCS trucks. I don't even know where the trucks are. And he was like, oh, too easy, man. I'll help you. So there, first sergeant walks me down to the motor pole, uh, shows me where the trucks are, explains to me like the bumper numbers and what they all mean and you know, shows me how to PMCS a vehicle, mm-hmm. and, you know, I keep seeing my platoon sergeant in the background, and he's just pissed. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know why he's so mad. Like, I'm doing everything he asked me to do. And, because uh, at the time, the platoon sergeant's offices were in the motor pool. Oh. Yeah, so, yeah, like. What shit is that? Well, that's, I mean, that's just where they were. They they belong in the motor pool, right? They sh- down there doing maintenance. I guess. And, uh. Yeah, so first sergeant shows me how to PMCS all these vehicles, and then a couple hours later, old Sergeant Lydon has to teach me that I don't speak to first sergeants. <laughs> <laughs> sergeant Lydon, great guy. Yeah, he is. Really he's a, he's a really good dude. Um, so anyway, so he's I deployed. He's probably the most airborne person I ever met. Yeah, he's very airborne. He's one of the dudes that made me want to be a jump master. Him and um, this this guy, uh, who's my other section leader, Sergeant Tate. Uh, both of them were just, that's when I saw jump masters and I was like, those are the most professional people they I've are, ever seen. They are professional as fuck. And, uh, I got a dope picture of, 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 uh, of, um, Eugene Piani 
on that in that foreign. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah, it was a good picture. So deployed to Afghanistan, um, and that was a uh, definitely a life changing experience. You know, your first deployment, um, and then came back. Uh, I'm trying to think how long we were back for. So we were back for about a year and a half, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, then my deployed again this time as a sergeant and uh another uh that one was a nine month deployment and and shorter than the first one yes so short of the my first one was uh 12 months Jeez. and then nine month so the 12 month seemed shorter than the nine month because the nine month you don't get r and r's there's like no break nothing to look forward to just besides fucking... just leaving yeah whereas when you have a 12 month, you're like, well, I'm going on R and R and, you know, four months. So like, hmm. and then it's like, you're on the back end of it and you're like, oh, well now I only got, you know, this long. Yeah. Um, cause you're, you know, your R and R is only two weeks, but it usually takes you, um, a week to get home and then a week to get back. So you're really gone for a month. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Jeez. So, so it's actually like a, a good break. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, then I uh, deployed again, um, came back, uh, got promoted to staff sergeant. I'm still in the same platoon right now that I was originally <laughs> in. So I went from uh, so you went from private to staff sergeant in the same platoon. Same platoon. Jeez, that's uh, good, I guess. Well, the, but majority of the people changed. Yeah. Uh, like a lot of them ETS, and you know yeah. we got new sergeants in, or then you know new staff sergeants in, in different things, new platoon sergeants. Yeah. So while I was in the same platoon, it was always different people. Um, so then the squadron shut down, um, and we got reflagged to be two five hundred one infantry. So now I found myself being an infantry squad leader, um, and I did that for about six months, and then I went to one seven three cav, and that's where I met First Arm Pumphrey, mm-hmm. and I was in his platoon for a year exactly a year and uh then i got picked up for drill he did say that you were the probably the shittiest section sergeant yeah well he was the worst platoon sergeant i've ever seen uh, yeah <laughs> probably the worst first sergeant too yeah uh so then i went drill it was drill for three years and then came here been a platoon sergeant for a year um i've been to arc and uh which is the army reconnaissance course and then mm-hmm. the cavalry leaders course uh, master school, all the NCOES education you're supposed to go to. And then all the like little additional duty schools, like master fitness and things like that. Yeah. You would go to master fitness. You, you yeah. CrossFit head. Um, <clears throat> so when you, when you think of a, of a good leader, what are, what are the attributes that you're looking for? So like when you have a new start, like when first round gives you, gives you a brand new Sergeant, let's say for example, if that trade would have happened, Hey, Hey, uh, Sergeant Abbas is a, Sergeant Gomes and mm-hmm. uh, what what is what are the stuff that you expect from from them? Yeah, so I thought about this because uh, I was like Max told me it was going to be like leadership uh, focus was yeah. was kind of the topics. So I think that it changes for each rank, but let's say it is E five, right? Mm-hmm. So what do I expect from E five? He should know every single level one task. So any one of the machine guns 
he should be able to go on and, um, you know, pass it to GST. Mm-hmm. Um, he should know all about the different missile systems that we use, the tow and javelin and, um, you know, here shortly the Carl Gustav. He, he got to teach that stuff. Yeah. Well, he should be the assistant instructor to the staff sergeant. The mm-hmm. staff sergeant should be the primary instructor. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, he needs to do all that. PT is obviously huge. Um, but you don't have to be perfect at stuff. You just have to be willing to learn stuff. You got to be hungry. Yeah. Um, and then I think that rigorously enforcing the standards and discipline, right? Now, when I say standards and discipline, I'm not talking about the old school sergeant major yeah. standards and discipline of like, well, if you don't have a haircut, how are you <laughs> supposed to win wars, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not talking about that. Um, so like discipline is if we <laughs> have, yeah, if, if the trucks have a certain SOP that they're required to be in for loadout, are you enforcing that to happen? Mm-hmm. Um, if there's 19 steps to in placing an OP, are you ensuring that the soldiers meet all 19 steps or are you just letting them cut corners? Um, if there is a squadron PCC checklist, which there is, right? It's yeah. like at least a hundred pages long, right? It's long as fuck. There's like all, all kinds of like that radio PCC. Yeah. PC. I'm like, but are you actually enforcing that yeah. when you do it? Um, and that's the the standards and discipline that that, that I usually think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and then majority of the other stuff is just trying to learn and being being like you said, like being hungry. Yeah. You know, are you ready to step up? Yeah. Um, and then you know we have three different sergeant positions in the scout platoon, right? You have your tow gunner, which is a sergeant position, um, and that's not a leadership position. That's just a tow gunner. You're not responsible for any soldiers. Um, so then you have your dismounted team leader and you have your two TCs for tow trucks. So it's four, I guess. Well, it's five sergeants altogether. Yeah. But three different positions. Yeah. Um, so then each one of those positions require, uh, y- you should be able to be in any of those three, but usually you start as a tow gunner then go to TC, and then after you're done with that, I usually move them to the dismounted mm-hmm. team leader. That's that's the fun stuff. I fucking love being dismounted. Uh, so, so what made you made you want to join the army? And when you joined, did you did you expect that you like you would become like a leader that you are today in, in the organization? Uh, so I joined the army, uh, like many people, because I got in trouble. Um, I I did not plan on joining the army. Uh, but had a long talk with my dad about the direction that I was headed, which was not a good one. And he kind of uh, convinced me to join the army. And he said, I want you to be a, uh, you know, like a dental assistant or, you know, like something that would be, uh, you know, useful in the civilian world. Right. And so I came back from MEPS and I was like, dad, I'm going to be a scout. You know? (laughs) And he was like, why would you be a scout? That's my job. Because uh, my dad was a 19 Delta in the was Army. Was he airborne? He was. Oh. And, uh, and then so was my grandfather. Damn. Yeah. And he was like, that's like literally what I do. Like, no, do something else. And I was like, no, 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 this is badass. You don't even know what this is. And he's like, that's my job, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, You know who you talk to right now? Yeah. So I was like, well, I'm doing it anyway. And I think he was mad at first, but he ended up being proud in the end. 
um, did I did I think that I was gonna be the leader that I am today? No, I I didn't plan on staying in the army. Everybody everybody that stays in is like, yeah, I didn't plan on. Um, stayed in. Locked up a girl. Had to stay in. My uh, mine was after I became a sergeant, uh, and then I realized that I can affect change, mm-hmm. and. I actually found after I became a sergeant, I was like, man, the army is really fun. Um, and that then I, I wanted to stay in. Okay. Well, what was a significant moment in your career that made you be the, the leader they are today? That's something that impacted you. Uh, so the thing that really uh, made me the way I am. So we were on patrol in Afghanistan and uh, one of my really good friends, he, uh, he stepped on an IED and he lost both of his legs and his arm. And I was right next to him. And uh, it was kind of that like where you just go into training and I, I you know, put the tourniquets on him and stuff. And uh, he, he, we got him medevaced out and he, he lived, um, he's doing fine. Uh, the next day we had to go back on patrol and I was so fucking scared. I would, I would be, I would be scared of my life. I'd be what the fuck. Um, I was fucking terrified, <laughs> right? But I knew that my dudes were also scared, mm-hmm. and so my section sergeant, he was back in the rear because he got blown up the day before that. Jeez. Uh, so him, uh, and then two other dudes from my section were all back in the rear because they got. Uh, they got blown up and they had to get evaluated and stuff. So now young Sergeant E5, I was a section sergeant now. And uh, I had to, I had to go back on patrol. And I remember like, uh, not talking to myself, but kind of talking to myself like, look, dude, you can't be fucking scared because like all these dudes are scared yeah, and you got to get, you got to get your shit together. Yeah. And yeah. So the next day we went out and, um, we got back into we got into another fight and uh then that was just when i knew like it doesn't matter how you're feeling you have to do your fucking job absolutely and uh that was kind of like yeah that one just kind of like solidified a lot of the things that Mm -hmm. that i think about like it doesn't matter what you feel about stuff you just have to do your job you know you got to worry about your feelings on the backside sometimes yeah i agree with that 100 percent when uh when when Max came on here on on the on the first episode, he mentioned a a story about when um when he he kind of like forced you to to go home to have have dinner with your wife and your brand new new son. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> he said that you were you were extremely pissed, but did you learn anything from that? Like, how did you really feel at that at that time? So, Max taught me a very valuable lesson that day, and that was. Uh, you don't matter as much as you think you do. Uh, if your platoon relies on one person so much that that person can't go home, then you're failing somewhere. Yeah. Um, but I was a young, hungry staff sergeant, and I just I wanted to make sure everything was perfect always. And uh, yeah, he made me go home. <laughs> called called my wife. Yeah, he was like, yeah. yeah, I called I called his wife and I was like, he's coming home for dinner. Uh 
But Max also, he was very good at like taking care of those who work hard for him. And he knew that probably for, it must've been like a month. We had a big problem with getting the trucks ready. Till this day, we still have a problem with that. And uh, so I just kind of made my platoon do a lot of drills and and broke it down to what each person's responsible for. And I I wasn't inventing anything. I was just, you know, reverberating doctrine, you know, like Mm -hmm. the gunner's responsible for this, the driver's responsible for this. Um, But the platoon was not on the same page with everything. They're a bunch of really good dudes. They just needed direction. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I provided them with some of that direction and uh, they got good about it. But he realized I put in all this work and I needed to let it happen and stop micromanaging in a way. Um, And yeah, everything was fine. But yeah, I was mad. (laughs) (laughs) Max, I mean, Max is probably one of the greatest leaders I have I think I ever met. He had he knows like the perfect balance of balancing work with the welfare of the soldiers and accomplishment of the mission. He he's he's a phenomenal 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 leader. I've learned more about leadership from him than I uh, I think anybody else I've ever met. One thing that he taught me that's always interesting to me you do not need to be an asshole to 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 make things things work yeah and a lot a lot of times you see you see uh sergeants and, and staff sergeants being a douchebag to, to someone you know like there's no need for that i mean if you just talk to the person you're always going to figure figure that shit out yeah you, you need you need to be i, th- I think you need to you need to have tough love i learned that from from uh someone that i really admire and and that i work with and he taught me that you don't need to be soft but you don't need to be hard but and, and still get stuff done. Well, there's I think there's times that um, you do need to yell. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, one of the tools that the army gives us as well is uh, corrective action, mm-hmm. which is you know push-ups and and things like that. And it's a tool that can be used. Um, it but it shouldn't be the only tool. I, I'm sure every you know sergeant major and first sergeant out there you know they talk about your tool bag and it's just one of the tools inside of your tool bag right what are you what are your plans for your future in the army and um yeah what what are your plans for your future so i want to be a sergeant major um and uh, of course i want to be a squadron sergeant major uh but the my real big place i want to get to and i'm not sure of the position what exactly it is um, I assume it's going to have to be somewhere in, in in the Maneuver Center of Excellence or in Tradox somewhere. But I want to redo the NCO education system because mm-hmm. uh, I think right now that it's it's kind of crap, um, I you guess think, to you put it that, bluntly. Do you think that, that our sergeants get promoted too easy? No, I don't think so. Um, are, you, are you a fan of automatic promotion? Uh, I'm not a fan of automatic promotion, but I think the way that we look at things needs to change because it doesn't matter whether or not I'm a fan of it or not. It's the reality of the situation. Yeah. And the reality of the situation is we're not promoting enough sergeants. So the army took it in their own hands to promote people. I, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, if I could be sergeant major or if I could be someone that could make like, make a decision like that, I, something that I would change, I would stop with like automatic promotable. I I I've seen so many specialists that like get automatic promotable and 
they either they're over here trying to go to BLC and all that stuff, but they're acting and being all buddy buddy with the privates, and you're like, well, so think of it like this, and this is one of the things I talked to my sergeants about because they came to me with some of the same bitches and gripes, and there are things in place that you can do to keep soldiers from getting promoted, right? If they're not saying everybody deserve, deserves to be an NCO, um, but Instead of that, look at it like when you get a brand new private, you have to look at it as you have two years to make him into the team leader that you want. Mm -hmm. Instead of looking at it as he's just another private. Start looking at it as like in three years, he will be a sergeant. Is he a sergeant that I want on my team or not? Mm -hmm. And then I think you can start molding him. Like leadership development starts day one not when they're a specialist promotable. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what we do. We develop leaders, right? Yeah. Um, what was the hardest decision that you made in your military career? I don't, I don't really know. Uh, I know right now, like one of the things I've been thinking about a lot um, is like, what's, what should my next job be? Um, wh- which it gets more and more um, impactful now uh and like some of the things i've been throwing around is like sfab or oc or rotc Mm -hmm. right and all of them have their perks and all of them have their their cons you know pros and cons um but it's one of those like you make the wrong decision maybe you don't make the next rank now yeah whereas i think before this i mean the army kind of decides it for you you know da select for drill sergeant well roger that i'm going to be a drill sergeant (laughs) you know like i don't really have a choice about it um, before that, um, I didn't really have a choice of when I went to the board. It was, you're going to the board. Okay. Roger that. Yeah. That's what happened to me. Yeah. I, you I, know? I, was, I was pumped for it when they told me I was going to the board. I was like, yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. So, um, uh, I guess on the, the bigger level right now is where I'm starting to think I, I've been, I've been thinking about it for several months. I've talked to several people about it and I still don't know the, the right decision to yeah, make. And, and you also got to think about, about your family. Yeah. They're, 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 they're really kind of like what there you were. Su- I want to say your, your support, I guess, like, absolutely. Your back. Uh, for me, it, you know, it goes both sides. Like if, if my family's, uh, you know, not doing well, then I'm not going to perform well at work either. Plus, you know, like I always look at that. That's my job is to take care of my family. Yeah. Um, and then my wife always says when work's not going well, you bring it home. What, what does she want you to do? Um, we've talked about it a lot. Um, I think she wants me to go, uh, ROTC. Um, and uh, like, I wouldn't mind going to ROTC either. Uh, I just, I don't know if I want to be an instructor again. I mean, you're different with, it's a whole different like level of, of audience, I guess. Well, and then I, I think about it too. Like what impact do you have on instructors? Well, you're building, you're building. The, the army's new officers. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Uh, do you think your leadership approach to when, um, like you said, uh, when you're first developing yourself to become a leader to today? Can you say that again? <laughs> do you think that your leadership approach changed from compared to when you first joined the army? Like, Absolutely. Uh, I think that every level of leadership that I've been in, I've changed and matured and thought of things differently. And uh, that is 
that has been the biggest sustained was every level you have to change and mature and see things from a different picture. Uh, Sergeant E5 Cody Knapp is completely different than Sergeant First Class Cody Knapp. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you. Even when you're going from from being a specialist to to, to a sergeant, oh, absolutely, you know, yeah. See that? I think that's like the biggest um, change, because from from sergeant to staff sergeant, you're already you're already an NCO. From transitioning from being just a regular Joe to to a, a to a non commissioned officer is is a, I think it's a pretty big step. Yeah, not the biggest step. For me, it was uh, it wasn't too bad uh, going from specialist to sergeant because all of the dudes that I was privates with were all gone Mm -hmm. they had all pcs or ets i was like the only one left in the platoon um that's how i feel like now i look around troop and i'm like yeah who are all these people yeah (laughs) so it wasn't a it wasn't a huge change for me um but there are definitely those people in the platoon where it's um you know they, they put sergeant stripes on with all their buddies still there as specialists and stuff and all of a sudden they find themselves in charge of their buddies and then it's like, oh, do I be a friend or do I be a leader? Or, you know, where's the middle ground in this? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what do you think is, is the is the most rewarding part of being a, a platoon sergeant? I think so. W- this is this is me and uh, Lieutenant Hernandez actually talked about this a lot. We, we played soccer together. Yeah, he's uh, he's a really good dude, really good friend. Um. And me and him together as a team was just, it was, it was phenomenal. Like we worked together so well. Um, so I've been doing this training program with my platoon for a while. Um, which is just how I see training should progress. And right before Sabre Junction, uh, good old Sabre Junction, right? So when we pitched the platoon op order, right? Yeah. Um, my staff sergeant pitched uh, a portion of paragraph one, and then one of my sergeants came in, pitched another portion of paragraph one. He pitched like the entire enemy sit temp. Mm-hmm. Then one of my other sergeants came in, he pitched all of Okoka and light and weather data. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, lieutenant came in, briefed the mission. Uh, then, while that was happening, you know, he briefed his uh, scheme maneuver. And then another sergeant came in. He briefed the scheme of fires, which he did. Um, and then another sergeant came in, and he briefed the IC plan good. for the it's entire like thing. That whole dry up order for the same person just saying. Yeah. So we, and they actually planned it. Of course, you know the the lieutenant made sure that it was syncing up with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but my every single one of my NCOs was involved in the operations planning, and they were so pumped and excited about it. And then you had this level of understanding that was just unparalleled. And then, of course, uh, going into Sabre Junction, these dudes just knocked it out of the park. Yeah. I've never seen a scout platoon function so well. And uh, they, they just did everything. Everything was amazing. Like Things would happen, and they would just immediately come up with solutions for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and small things like uh, we weren't getting signal. Uh, radio signal, right? One of my sergeants just decided the best course of action is to run a long whip antenna up a tree. Did it. 
All of a sudden, we had we had comms with everybody. <laughs> yeah, we're talking to the general. You, you know, like, it out. and it was just these problems would arise, and they would immediately think of solutions. And that's when I saw the the platoon just at its at its apex, at its highest point, mm-hmm. and watching them go from this dysfunctional band of heathens to this well-oiled killing machine was amazing. Yeah, you're you're blue platoon, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they they do talk about about infantry blue platoon about being the second best platoon. Second best. Yeah. Hmm. You still got you still you still got the red devils over there. In the <laughs> You, you, I mean, you, you definitely would not have no competition with with blue platoon and amber troop. <laughs> what, like, maybe six months ago, but now, I mean, whole different. It's, it's different now. Well, and now we're back to you know we we have a new platoon again. Um, so we're going through all the. You might have to come over. You got the, a spot? Yeah, we got. We always got spots. All right. I'm losing one of my uh, key players right now, actually. So, Ooh. and he's my dismounted team leader. So I got a spot for you. Who's leaving? Sergeant Wit. Oh, oh there's some big shoes to fill yeah, though. That, that is some big shoes. Yeah. The dude dude has has a a, a fuck ton of knowledge. I mean when He's you look book. when you look at my four uh team leaders that I have, right? I have Sergeant Power, stud, mm-hmm. Sergeant Shepherd, stud. He he was in Buddha. Yeah. Uh came back. Sergeant Witt, stud. Sergeant Gian, stud. So I, I just have these uh, I have no idea who Sergeant He's Poe quieter. Who that is. Yeah. Uh, Sergeant Gian's a little quieter, but man, the... Is he the one that wears glasses? Yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. He's been here for a while, though. Uh, I think so. Yeah, he's been here for a while, but like his level of knowledge on like missile systems and machine guns and stuff, I mean, he'll just... He's good. I mean, if, if I wasn't leaving in, in July, I'd, I'd probably, I'd probably, I'd just extend, you know? Yeah, I, I'm not doing that. Right, I've, been, <laughs> I've, been in, I've been in Germany for... For almost three years, and I'm happy yeah. to go back to the states. <laughs> um, so w- <clears throat> we kind of hit on on kind of this of what do you expect from 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 a sergeant, but what is your advice to um, a brand new sergeant for him to become like the best leader, the most successful leader that he can he can possibly be? Um, let, let, let's think about like outside of PT and yeah. So I always ask my sergeants this in their initial counseling they receive from us. Are you the team leader that you would want to have as a private? Mm-hmm. And if you can't answer yes to that question, then you're fucking up. Yeah. I think uh, understanding where we are, understanding our strengths and weaknesses is something we have to do on not not a monthly basis, but like a daily basis. Right. Uh, but here's what I see happening a lot. We're bad at something. So we avoid it. I'm in, it could go anywhere. It could go from working out to, you know, the army, right? I'm bad with radios. So I'll just, I'll let the other sergeant teach radios. Yeah. And I'll make sure that, you know, this dude puts my radios in my truck or whatever the case may be. And instead of going, man, I need help with this. We just avoid it and let someone else do it. Um, so knowing where you are and figuring out what you need to get better at, but then just, yeah, are you the dude that you would want to have? Are you the platoon sergeant that you would want to have when you were a sergeant or a staff sergeant or whatever the case may be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, 
everybody can ask for help and everybody can get help from anybody. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're if you're if you're a sergeant first class asking for help from 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 a specialist. Absolutely. Hitting that, I mean, we're always in in the military. You're always learning. Like mm -hmm. I learn new shit every day. I'm sure you know, learn new stuff every day. I'm sure. Absolutely. Sergeant major learns new stuff every day. But who was someone that that had the most influence on you and and taught you something that that sticks with you to this day? Yeah. Uh, so that's interesting. I, I so I've actually, uh, I've talked about this a lot, right? Uh, and so a lot of people will say, we'll talk about all these, you know, terrible leaders that they had over, over the course of their time in the army, right? Yeah, two and a half years in the army. Yeah. Well, even you'll hear other people talk about it. Be like, Oh, when I was, a when I was a private, I had the worst platoon sergeant ever. I oh had, this God. was terrible and this was terrible and this was terrible. And I have not had that experience in the army. I have been completely blessed with some of the most phenomenal leaders that, I mean, I've just never been able to live up to the level of leaders they were. Mm -hmm. um, you know, starting with Sergeant Lydon, dude's beast. He's 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 a great guy. Dude is. You know, he's exactly what you expect, you know, because he was my senior scout and he was just exactly what you expect from a, from a senior scout, a young, aggressive staff sergeant. Um, then to um, Staff Sergeant Tate, who brought that compassion uh, with the NCO, where he deeply cared about his soldiers. Um, then to Staff Sergeant Motes, um, who... I don't know how he did it, but he was, he smelled an IED. <laughs> like, no shit, that really <laughs> happened. Um, that's crazy. I don't but even know how, that, how that's possible. It, I mean, well, it was uh, it was 500 pounds of HME. Jesus. So, like, after you thought about it, you're like, oh, I can smell it. But, like, we're just walking on patrol, and all of a sudden he was like, do you smell that? You know? And <laughs> no shit, there was an IED under a bridge. Dude, that's a, that's a. That's a big ass ID. Yeah, it was. We, there were some real big ones there. That would have fucked you up. Oh yeah. Um, and that dude, like, it's like he saw fighting differently than everybody else. He knew when to push. He knew when to. He knew when to flank. He knew when to fall back, and, man, just just a very very amazing tactical leader, and then Tony the Barbarian Benaggio. Another just, he was my platoon sergeant, phenomenal, uh, aggressive fighter. Um, he's the one who coined the term barrel-chested freedom fighter, I'm pretty sure. Um, then, you know, of course, when Max Pumphrey was my platoon sergeant, um, you know, his was, his was just straight the leadership style, like how to influence people, how to um, just just do things right, you know, just being a good dude, I guess. And then, you know, taking care of your soldiers and, and things like that. Like, um, yeah. And then, and then of course being a drill, like I saw just some phenomenal leaders there, um, as well in just every aspect. Um, but th those are definitely the dudes I think who have had the, the biggest impact on me. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I mean, this was four, seven, three Cav. They were the strongest staff sergeants I've ever seen in the Army. You just had these group of 
if, if you're if you're a staff star and you work for Star App right now, he's he's dissing you. He said you suck. <laughs> um, well, you got you got Sergeant Glass and uh, Sergeant McCarthy, right? I have Sergeant Glass, uh, Sergeant Calkins, and Sergeant okay. Fajardo. Okay. Yep. And uh, but yeah, e- each one of them have impacted me differently. Uh, oh, and then Sergeant Moss, my section leader, uh, when I was a sergeant, another dude who. Um, he did not fit the army mold. <laughs> so when you think about like, you know, every staff sergeant should be seven foot tall, barrel chested, you know, Bold. carry a million pound rucksack. Uh, you know, he was a skinny little dude, uh, but very smart, um, had a different approach to leadership and he, you know, working hard though. That's what he did. Mm-hmm. Just he was like a diesel engine, just worked all day, just can't stop him. So each one of these dudes just taught me something different, and I, I've always taken like a lot of their good um, attributes and kind of put them towards myself. What What are some attributes that you learned from them? Um. So Sergeant Motes would be the the tactical side of it, tactical discipline, tactical patience. Mm-hmm. Um. Knowing when to fight, when not to fight. Um, Sergeant Bonaggio, uh being aggressive when you need to be and being patient when you need to be. Uh, taking care of your dudes. Promoting within. Um, Sergeant Moss would just be, you know, caring for people in a different way. Um, not everything has to be the Army way of caring for your soldiers. Yep. Um, there, there's always outside the box ways. Sometimes like bonding with your dudes is just listening to music. Um, you know, uh, Sergeant Lydon would be that just standards and discipline and like enforcing it. Yeah. He's huge on that. Every time we would do IMC. Yeah, we would have people with beanies, some people with tan beanies, no. some people with berets. He's like, take that hey, shit figure off. Out. <laughs> oh, y'all wear all beanies. Yeah. Oh, y'all wear berets. Yeah. And nobody's wearing tan beanies. I'm like, yeah. Um, <laughs> take it off. Then, uh, so one of my favorites recently, because, you know, we, we never stop learning and growing, right? Yeah. Uh, and this is something that I, um, I took from Colonel Jones, actually, who was a guest on your show, right? Yeah. Um, and so. What's that? Animal. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He did a lot of uh, really, really great things. Made a very lethal squadron, that's for sure. Um, So one of the things he did, and I've now taken this into uh, one of the things that I do, is he did LPDs, right? Where he would bring the squadron in to make sure that we're all on the same page with all the senior leaders of the squadron. And... um, and this was happening regardless of what else was going on, right? There were 24 hours in the day. And, like, if you needed to work all 24 of them, like, this shit was happening, right? Yeah. And if it was on the schedule, it was happening. So he would have his LPDs. And sometimes, like, you'd have to stay late to do this LPD. But he was getting his point across. And that was also important. And... uh one of the things I think that happens is we put things on the training calendar, right? Like LPDs, very important things when they're talked about the right things, right? 
Um, you know, it's not an LPD. Not what yeah. Liverpool should look like on Monday. Or yeah, and sometimes that's important to get everybody on the same page. But like, let's let's focus on like what makes us better at, you know, doing what we do. You know, are we all focused on the on the same thing? And so anyway, I've added these to my training calendar, and regardless of what happens, it's happening. And sometimes you have to be that dude that says, look, man, y'all didn't accomplish your stuff fast enough. This LPD is happening, even if we have to stay late to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked that about him, um, that you were going to adhere to his standard or find a new job. Yeah. You know, I liked that. Something that I really liked about him, it was his his, his uh, fascination and his satisfaction in just killing the enemy yeah he, absolutely the dude, the dude like he liked the taste of blood in his mouth he just wanted to fucking kill the bad guy yeah he was hungry he was <clears throat> um is is there something someone that you talk to uh whenever there's something that there you have a hard decision to make and you need help trying to figure out you like oh call this guy or call it her and, and like listen this is happening i need some help figuring this out uh so a lot of times i actually talk to my wife about it um which is funny because she is the most least army person on earth, right? <laughs> so not army that I mean, she'll she'll have to go to the doctor or whatever and have to call me and be like, "What rank are you?" You know, and I'll wow. be like, "Are you serious? Like you put my rank on? Like you should at least know this." Um, <laughs> you pinned me. Yeah, uh, I remember the other day somebody asked her what unit I was in, and she goes, "The one with the anvil out front." The one with the what? The one with the anvil out front. <laughs> what is that? Because we're anvil troop, you know, so we have an anvil oh. out front. Oh, yeah. I, I, I honestly would never understand. Oh, yeah. And no one else got it either. And so anyway. I, I think I think A troop is anvil troop because you guys all are so heavy. You guys hold everybody back. Huh. Why do they call Bravo bullshit troop then? We don't. We're bulldogs. What are you talking about? Oh, it's about? bulldog. I thought it was bullshit this whole time. Oh, wow. So, uh, no, I talked to her because she, number one, she's honest uh, and will tell you exactly what you don't want to hear. This is the best people we need. Yeah. Nobody sugarcoat shit. Yeah, she doesn't sugarcoat anything. And she sometimes gives that outside the box because she doesn't know any army policies or anything like that. She just gives, you know, she's just a really smart person. And uh, she'll just tell you what she thinks and... A lot of times she's right, unfortunately. Um, but she's right a lot of the times, and yeah, that's good. So, what what is your key to success? My key to success. My key to success would be wearing short shorts. Wearing short shorts. The shorter the shorts, the better your leadership. Wow. Just, <laughs> Let's all uh, show up in Ranger pants with PT then. Yep, absolutely. If I could. Uh, I, go to bat for that. I think it's putting the, the right people in the right places. Um, nothing in my platoon uh, is my fault. Um, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> what I mean by all the good things that they've done, like that's that's not okay. me that did them. Oh, yeah. That's the dudes under me that did all that stuff. But when it's bad, something bad happens, it's, it's on you. Yeah, absolutely. Um so I just think it's uh, it's putting the right people in the right positions. And what I mean by that, sometimes you, you have to take a dude, maybe he's really good with trucks, but he sucks on the ground, right? Well, maybe it's time to put him on the ground so he can learn, so he can learn and, and better round himself. Um, 
And then sometimes it is the uh, look motherfuckers. Like we're going to do it this way because I fucking said so. Uh, and there's, there's sometimes the pushback. Like uh, when I got to third platoon, I changed the PT, right? Like, yeah, this man come over here thinking he can change everything. Yeah. I want to be fat. Yeah. So it was funny because everybody talks about third platoon's PT, right? Um, yeah, even over in Bulldog, we, we, can, we can hear about that shit. Yeah. And what, what, what's funny about it is everybody thinks that my platoon was just like, oh, this is going to be so much fun. It'll be great. That's not at all what happened. I changed PT and every single one of my NCOs came to me and was like, Hey, sorry, I don't, I don't think we should do this. You know, this is, this is kind of ridiculous. And I was like, I don't care, man. This is what we're doing. <laughs> and you got to do that. And, uh, that happened. I bet it was, I bet it was two months before they finally bought into this. We're doing fucking PT every day. If we miss PT, we're going to make it up at the end of the day or we're going to make it up at lunch or whatever the case may be. Like we're doing fucking PT and it's going to be the hardest, most miserable PT you've ever seen. I do want to be in your squadron whenever you're Sergeant Major. Yeah, because everybody's on PT. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just small things like that. Um, I don't I don't really remember what the original question was, but I think I got off topic. <laughs> no, it, what what just, made me successful in leadership, right? Yeah, like what, what, you, <laughs> what is your key to success? My key to success. Short shorts, PT, and putting people in the right spot. Uh, yeah, and I, I just think it's uh, – have you heard the term alacrity? No. Well, I mean, I have, but maybe listeners just haven't. Yeah, so uh, alacrity is the willingness to want to do something, right? Mm -hmm. So if your soldiers are doing things because you want them to do it, all right, that's cool, but what happens when you're not there? They, they don't do it. Yeah. So you have to build a team that is that wants to do the right thing because they want to do the right thing, not because of a certain person in charge of them wants them to do it. Mm -hmm. Or even the fact that like they respect you, right? Cause maybe they only work hard because they respect the person over top of them, but those aren't lasting results. Um, because as soon as that figurehead is moved from that platoon, then the standards are gone. Yeah. So if you can convince your, your soldiers or teach your soldiers or mentor your soldiers or whatever the right word is, that and get them to want to do the right thing. I think that's the key to leadership. It's it's um I, I could see that now. I'm not I'm not trying to say that Colonel Brown is a bad leader. He, he's he's a, he's a great uh squadron commander. Mm -hmm. But I feel like ever since like the the Colonel Jones left, I feel a lot of people like started to slack a little bit because he was gone. Like and it's just, obviously, it's not on Colonel Brown. It's just people. Well, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm out of shape. I'm gonna go just do this five mile run because I'm out of shape, not because I have to. Or I suck at rucking. I'm gonna go do this ruck real quick. Doesn't need to be twelve miles. It can be like three or four miles with seventy five pound ruck. And I'm, I'm gonna do it because I fucking suck at rucking. So I'm gonna try to get better. But they used to rely on all. Oh, I gotta do a twelve mile every month and eighteen mile every three months. I think ever since he left, a lot of people started to like slack on. I'm doing the right stuff. Um, <clears throat> we're coming to an end. We got one more question, and you guys are probably tired of me saying this every um, every episode, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say it anyways because it's my podcast and I do whatever I want. <laughs> um, the, the the reason that people come here and 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 
or at least the 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 people I'm trying to target are the people that kind of are struggling right now with um they're they're struggling to find a, a leadership call or find, trying to find a leadership style or they're they're having some problems with um accomplishments accomplishing something right so what is a message or a story that you have to the listeners that that can help help them face whatever they're going through right now or whatever difficulty or whatever difficulty that they're going through to accomplish their objective and goals so I think number one is, like I said before, it's that like self-realization, like where are you at, right? You, you're probably not as good as you think you are. Um, and it's it's not good to have like a, or it's not bad to have a big head, right? We should be somewhat arrogant. Um, but also knowing where we are, what do we need to work on? What do we not need to work on? Um, if I'm deadlifting over 400 pounds, do I need to keep deadlifting more or do I need to like focus on something else? Like what is good enough? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that trying to figure out your leadership style, is really just being a good person. Um, so like if you're, if you're being a good person, you work hard and you're constantly trying to learn, you're, you're probably a good leader. Um, everything else. Will, you also got to be good at PT. You do have to be good at <laughs> PT. Uh, but people say that, uh, you know, it's a joke, but I, I do really believe that. Yeah. We, it's not that you have to be good at PT. You have to try hard at PT. Um, and I, uh, do believe that PT is probably the most important thing we do every day. Um, it starts the day off, right? You get a good hard PT session in. I know for me, I tend to work harder throughout the day when I get a good PT session in. Um, whereas if we have late call for whatever reason and I'm being, you show up to work lazy. Yeah, I show up. Yeah. You show up lazy. It takes you, you know, two more hours to like start working because mm -hmm. you know, like, Oh, I didn't have enough pre-workout this morning. So now I got to, you know, add it to my coffee or whatever. Right. Um, so I, I do think PT is extremely important, especially for our job where you know, people can say like physical fitness isn't a part of it, but like it's, it's a huge a portion. <laughs> it's a huge portion of it. Right. Um, let's see what else leadership. So then like just being a good person, right. Um, also making hard decisions too. Like what's, what's best for this dude may not be what's best for this other dude. Mm -hmm. Um, you can't say that this one blanket style of getting through to somebody is the way to do it for everybody. Cause everybody has, you know, different personalities and stuff. Um, so, so if someone calls you right now and say, Hey, Hey Cody, um, I'm going through a hard time and I, I'm, I'm, I got this going on. What are some words that you like tell that person for them to like, kind of like motivate them and push them through to, 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 to go past that burden? Hmm. I guess depending on what it is, like everything's going to pass, you know, it might be hard right now, but you know, in, in, in 30 days, is it going to matter? In a week, is it going to matter? In a year, is it going to matter? Um, the answer is probably you wish you could have done more right uh 
I'm going to relate this back to working out again because that's what I do, right? <laughs> uh, so when you're doing uh, when you're doing a really hard fucking workout, right, uh, and, and you end it, especially with like CrossFit, right, where there's a time cap on it, like 20 minutes is all you get. And you hit 20 minutes and you're not laying on the floor in a pile of your own sweat and wanting to throw up and and everything, right? You get done and you're just kind of standing there and then you're going, did I push hard enough? Right. Did I, did I do everything that I could have done during that workout or, or not? Cause after that 20 minutes, it doesn't fucking matter. So then it goes into like the army side of it. You know, think about like team live fire. Did I do every fucking thing that I possibly could as a team leader? Because at the end of this live fire run, it doesn't fucking matter. Right? Uh, same thing with the firefight. Did, did I do everything that I was supposed to do? Because once it's done, it's done. You know, you can't go back and, you know, shoot more bullets or conserve more ammo or, or do th- the right things. Like, you know, it's all about just leaving it out there every single time just like being a being on a sports team right leaving it all on the floor like every single time you have to do that otherwise like why are you even doing it and you're gonna look back and regret it like i could have tried harder mm-hmm. um saber junction right we get really really tired really I love tired saber junction yeah it's so great and during that period when you're really really tired and you start cutting corners you're doing it because of right now hurts. But in 10 days, you're not going to be tired anymore. You know, and, and, and the next day, maybe you're not going to be tired. Maybe two days or whatever, you're not going to be tired anymore. So was cutting those corners really worth it to get that five minutes of sleep? You know, so it's, I think it's all about just that push and that drive. Whatever you're going through, just push through it and, and leave it all on the mat or leave it all on the court or whatever your sport is, right? Um, yeah, I would say that would be my advice to get through whatever it is. Yeah, leave it all on the mat. Yeah. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was, that was, a uh, Cody Knapp. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on and, and spending some time with us. This is the world's greatest leaders podcast, and I'll see you guys on the next episode. Airborne. <laughs> well, I hear the devil calling, gotta pay him stop the dogs of war I can't stop